200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello and welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I am your host, Jim Dudley. I'm sitting here today lucky to be speaking with our guest, noted author and behavioral health expert in law enforcement and first responders, Dr. Ellen Kirschman. We'll be talking about officers encountering, encountering stress on the job and maybe offer some suggestions to help. Dr. Ellen Kirschman, PhD, has been a police psychologist for 35 years and is currently a volunteer clinician in the First Responder Support Network. She's a member of the International Association of Chiefs of Police and the American Psychological Association, as well as Sisters in Crime, Mystery Writers of America, and the Public Safety Writers Association. She's the recipient of the California Psychological Association's Award for Distinguished Contributions to Psychology, as well as the American Psychological Association's Award for Outstanding Contribution to the Practice of Police and Public Safety Psychology. As a noted fiction and nonfiction author, Ellen's written the Dot Meyerhoff Mystery Series, and she's also the author of I Love a Cop, What a Police Family Needs to Know, and I Love a Firefighter, What the Family Needs to Know. And she's the leading author of Counseling Cops, What Clinicians Need to Know. Well, welcome, Dr. Ellen Kirschman. Happy to be here. Good morning. Good morning. Well, thank you for being on Policing Matters. It's important to hear what you have to say about the current situation related to COVID-19 and how things may be wearing down on our law enforcement officers. I mean, we're several weeks into the, the shelter-in-place orders. I know I'm getting uh, some fatigue from hearing about all the different information coming through the media and through our friends and family and social media. And um, it's got to be wearing on our, our law officers out there. So um, can you tell us, when we, we first started talking about the podcast, um, you mentioned to me that... Um, it seemed like we, we were just being inundated. And at what point, when do we need to filter some things out? What should we be listening to and which, what should we block out? Well, that's a kind of difficult decision because as you just said, we all overloaded on information in a situation that is so fluid that the, uh, the information seems to be mutating as fast as the virus is. So to find a reliable source that you can trust uh, is kind of difficult these days. Um, I prefer to get my uh, information off of uh, well-known um, sources such as the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, or the county health officer uh, in the county where I live, uh, rather than from uh, friends, relatives, or various social media platforms. 
I think this makes it a very a special situation for law enforcement officers because knowledge is what keeps cops safe on the street. And with a situation that's as fluid as this one, where the knowledge is changing every day, every hour, it's really hard to know um, who to listen to. So I would suggest finding some proven, reliable sources and stopping with them. I totally understand what you're saying about the the information. And yes, you're right that it, it helps keep our officers safe. I'm thinking along the lines of the daily grind on officers uh, related to the COVID um, situation. Uh, they're going to work. They have to wear their uniforms, maybe some other PPE. Definitely, they're wearing uh, gloves and masks. Um, they're encountering people that they may not want to encounter in closed spaces, maybe even putting them in their radio car for transportation. They may be worried they'll get it. They may be worried they'll take it home to loved ones. They're working on long hours of overtime, uh, relentless pressure from elected officials, the community, bosses. Uh, they see the criticism in the media. Um, some agencies are awarding time off. Um, and they're not even calling it sick time in some in some locations, but they're giving uh, time off to use for maybe the worried well uh, as a mental health time or if they encounter or, or recognize any symptoms at all. So I'd like to ask you, in your opinion, how should the officers unwind when they do take the time off? I mean, should they exercise? Uh, totally decompress, watch TV, read a book, uh, unplug, or should they integrate some social time that they've been missing with their friends and family? What, what, what's the answer there? Well, I think it depends on the uh, on the individual. I would say that it would be a bad use of any time if you were sitting in front of uh, the television watching CNN all day long. That's mm -hmm. just more uh, more adding to the worry and concern. I mean, because in a pandemic like this, I mean, the normal response to stress is fight or flight, right? We all know right. that. But in a pandemic with an invisible enemy such as this virus and an uncertain future, um, we can't do either. So the threat is basically invisible, and that means that our bodies are constantly filled with uh, neurochemicals like cortisol and things. So it's really important to spill those high levels of neurochemicals out of our body. And of course, exercise is probably the number one best medicine, particularly exercise outside. I mean, it's said that 90 minutes of exercise will double the amount of serotonin in your brain. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and exercise for 90 minutes, but we know that taking a walk outside is evidence-based proof that that helps with uh, depressive symptoms as well. So definitely, I would say to do exercise. Um, I would also suggest for those days, have a plan, Some do something so with, and particularly something with a tangible outcome so that you can see the results. You'll kind of feel less helpless in the face of all of this. So, you know, if that means 
from something small, and this may be a trivial example, rearranging your sock drawer or going and building something uh, or cleaning up the yard. My, my husband's been pruning trees. I hope we have trees left when the pandemic is over. So there is do something, make a schedule, do something with a tangible outcome um, and try to, to put as much positivity back in your life as you possibly can. This is a daily challenge for uh, law enforcement because there's so much negativity in their jobs. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're going to hang out with people, hang out with people that um, add something to your life and won't drain it or won't be uh, catastrophizing over and over again about what's going on. Cops are really good at catastrophizing. It's another thing that keeps them safe to ask themselves, how could this go wrong? Um, what, you know, what could be the worst possible scenario here is something that they're trained, rewarded for, and habituated. And it works fine on the job. It does not work well in your personal life. And it certainly doesn't work well in this pandemic that is such a changing kind of a situation. So try not to catastrophize. If you catch yourself doing that, if you have some awareness of your own thought process and you catch yourself doing that, you got to challenge yourself. Uh, you have to say, you know, what makes me think that this will never be over? You know, what's the evidence for that? Just like you were cross-examining yourself in a courtroom, you know, try to, to not let your feelings and your catastrophic thoughts uh, run away with you. I mean, because feelings are not necessarily um, uh, predictors of the future. Just because you feel afraid does not mean that there is something to be afraid of. Uh, it's just a bit of data on how you're feeling in that particular moment. So I would also suggest finding something that I call a flow experience. It's where you are so absorbed that you don't even realize how much time goes by. I get in a flow experience when I'm writing or when I'm reading and uh, sometimes if I'm cooking something, I'm just so absorbed in doing this that everything else seems to fade away. That's very helpful to recalibrate and reset your nervous system to be able to do that. So, Ellen, when you when you just when you were giving your response and you talked about that catastrophic feeling, it it reminded me of how we were all transfixed after the 9/11 catastrophe and terrorist event and how we were glued to our TVs and some of us were paralyzed in fear. So um, I think that's a great example to show how, uh, you know, we, we were momentarily uh, transfixed and then halted and then we recovered. And, you know, more than a decade past 9-11, um, as a nation, we've shown our resilience and we've, we've rebounded. And I'm sure we will from from COVID. So I want to touch on a couple of other things that I know that some of us are uh, doing to sort of try to cope with uh, how we're feeling these days. And it's not just law enforcement people, but friends of mine are telling me that they're having, you know, cocktail Zoom hours every night. And old school policing used to say, you know, after a catastrophic event, where do you go? Down to the local, local watering hole, 
to sort of, you know, work things out. And um, two things I want to ask you about alcohol and sleep. How important are they? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, sleep is more important than alcohol and alcohol um, interferes with sleep. Lots of people think if they take a drink, they're going to be able to go to sleep if they're worried about it. Well, they will be able to go to sleep right away, but it's probably going to wake them up um, when they're before they've had a chance to cycle through all the different sleep cycles, including the one that uh, is what you need for kind of restorative uh, sleep. So I would say minimize your um, use of alcohol and uh, don't use it as a sleep aid. Uh, sleep is very important. Sleep deprivation is a real issue for most first responders and nobody, if you are deprived of sleep, you can't think clearly, your judgment is impaired. Research that shows that you can be, um, uh, it's as though you are uh, drunk driving, that you're that impaired if you haven't got enough sleep. So it's very important. All right. So if we can, if we can ask officers to do a self-check or self-evaluation, a sort of self-reflection on um, a self-check, how are they doing? Um, what can law officers do um, to do a self-evaluation? Um, are they looking at how much they're sleeping, oversleeping, not sleeping, uh, reliance on sleep medication, um, weight gain, weight loss, um, their exercise regimen? Do you suggest um, maybe keeping a daily log or uh, asking others for advice? Well, I think it's always great to ask if you live with somebody else, if you have a family or a partner, ask them, have I changed? Because change is what is um, a signal that you may have to do something more proactive in terms of managing stress. So are you more irritable? Do you have a shorter fuse? Is your concentration shot? Um, are you all the things you mentioned, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, overeating, undereating, um, and any kinds of those sort of mood or temperament uh, changes that's really important to um, keep, um, I do, you know, you can keep a log if that, that doesn't particularly work for a lot of people, but if you want to, sure, that's fine, uh, or, or put it on your calendar, on your computer what your mood is like. And there, there's all sorts of apps that you can use um, to measure your stress level or your mood from day to day. Um, but probably the most accurate source of information if you live with somebody is that person asking them, have I changed? Have I lost my sense of humor? Am I watching way more television than I used to watch? Um, th that kind of question. And then accept the feedback. Right, right, which which is sometimes difficult to do. And and you touch on another point that if you have a, a partner or a wife or a husband, someone you live with, um, you can get that feedback. But um, I talked to some people that are single and this is, this is you talk about a ca catastrophic event. They are, they've gone months now um, without uh, contact from people that don't live with them or they don't have a personal uh, 
there's also the uh, employee assistance programs within an agency, their behavioral health, and their own um, private health plan. But uh, what could peer um, counseling do? What could um, peer support do to help? Um, would you recommend convene uh, peer support groups uh, to talk this out? Oh, I think that's really, really important. Peers are very helpful. I mean, most cops would much rather talk to a peer than they would to talk to somebody like me, a mental health professional. And there are several online peer support groups uh, that are around uh, so that you, you don't even necessarily have to know the person or know the peer. The First Responder Support Network has some of those going. Uh, for people that are associated with that particular organization. There are also, if uh, substance abuse is a problem, there are uh, online fellowship groups that are just for first responders and you don't have to have a substance abuse problem. You just maybe wanna hang in and talk about how you're feeling and that's, uh, that's fine as well. Uh, but peer support is terrific. Uh, chaplains uh, are terrific also. Uh, and, and it's important to stay in touch with other people if you can. The uh, Zooming uh, is really a good way to stay in touch with people all over the nation. But I would have to say that there is some cognitive overload that happens with you zooming too much or too often, and every person will have their own ability to tolerate that. But the idea of looking at yourself at the same time that you're looking at other people seems to be a little bit wearing. And because this is a, an artificial um, meet up with people, while it has really many advantages, and I'm so glad to have Zoom to use, I also have to titrate and limit my uh, use of that because I notice how tired I am after I've been Zooming with somebody. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I mean, I, I thought I was going to have a ton of free time on my hands when um, when we had the shelter in place orders, but but that all got filled up with Zoom meetings. All of a sudden, everybody's Zooming, whether for um, just staying in contact or, or work meetings. So uh, I, I hear what you're saying about that. Um, so... I'd like to wrap up by by talking a little bit about what we talked, you and I talked about um, in in the appreciation uh, or or the lack of feeling of appreciation that law enforcement officers may be um, experiencing. They're doing a tough job, and um, people acknowledge them when they say thanks to our first responders. But a lot of times, the images that we're seeing are thanking the medical uh, and, and public health professionals, um, the essential workers out there. We're seeing you know, these mini parades and, and thank you fests for our, our health uh, providers, who, and it's totally warranted. But um, cops are just as important and they're keeping us safe. And again, they've got that difficult position um, that many of them don't wanna be involved in. Nobody wants to be the middleman on these shelter orders where um, you know, at, at the same time we're letting uh, convicted prisoners out of jails, we are taking enforcement actions on um, you know, people that don't comply with uh, the, the shelter orders. So what, what should officers know about this situation right now? 
about how the public may be feeling about them? Well, that's again, always difficult to gauge and it is certainly changeable. And boy, am I, uh, I'm really, uh, my, my sympathy goes out, my empathy goes out to having to be the person who's responsible of breaking up a party or breaking up a picnic on the beach. And so like, like so many other things, this kind of unwelcome task falls right into a police officer's lap. And they won't be appreciated for that. They will be appreciated for other things. So I think the couple of things I would say, one is to be able to give yourself credit for what you're doing. If you're not getting the credit from the public, even though you deserve it, to be able to recognize yourself that you're doing a really bad job in a terribly impossible situation, one we've never encountered before, um, and to give each other um, some high fives and, and credit as well, to try to do the job that you have to do in, in a, as, with as much positivity. Again, try to put more positive interactions and, uh, you know, and see if you can get some kind of a positive interaction going with the public. It's not always easy, of course. Um, and then I, I would like to remind people about, to keep this in mind, and that is what, um, what we call the donut. If you can visualize a donut in the middle of the donut where the hole is, that's the things you have control over. Your ethics, your professions, uh, your integrity, and your thoughts. In the other part of the donut, the part we eat, that's where you have some influence. And you have influence over people because of your credibility, your ability to communicate, and that, that, those kinds of things, your, uh, your reputation and so forth. And then outside the donut is everything else in the world over which we have no control. And so I think it's really important for cops to ask themselves, uh, frequently in, in all the varied situations they may find themselves in is, is this on my donut? Where is this? Or is this not in my donut? And to try to distinguish between what they have control over and what they don't. And they don't have any control over the public reaction. So the best they can do is work on, again, their own attitudes, their own ethics, their own approaches, their own uh, thoughts and feelings. And the rest of it really is uh, you may be able to influence some people and you may not be able to. And then I think you have to say to yourself, look, I've done what I can and just leave the rest behind. It's really important to try to distinguish between what you've got control over and what you don't have control over. Well, those are wise words indeed and a great visual. Once you said donut and you said it about five times, I really started getting hungry and paying attention. <laughs> so I'd like to recap a little bit. I, I was going to ask you about what the future holds and what we could do in the future, but it sounds like you you pretty much covered that. Um, you know, take a positive approach, a positive aspect, try to find the good things, uh, try to control what you have control over and try to let the other stuff go. Um, you say, get outside, get some exercise, walk, um, get sleep. Don't uh, sit in front of the TV for hours on end. Uh, pay attention to uh, the extremes, uh, overeating, oversleeping, undereating, undersleeping, things like that. Um, do a self-evaluation, get some reflection from uh, someone close to you. And 
to take care and take care of yourself. Those are all really good ideas. The the peer support um, uh, resources that you point out. Um, in closing, is there anything else you'd like to add or recommend? Well, I'd just like to thank uh, our police officers for what they do. They have the hardest job in the world, I think. And, uh, and, and it's gotten even harder in the middle of this crazy pandemic. So I just want to thank them and tell them to give themselves a pat on the back when they can. And then um, do what you can, leave the rest behind. Nice. Well, Ellen Kirschman, PhD, blogs with Psychology Today and writes a newsletter. You can sign up at our website at www.ellenkirschman.com. -E and you can find her mystery crime novels on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Thank you so much for your time and contributions today, uh, Dr. Ellen Kirschman. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, our pleasure. Okay, well, thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks for clicking on us. What do you think? What's going on near you? How are you coping with uh, the COVID-related um, pandemic? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Comment under the podcast or write us at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's one word, policingmatters at policeone.com. I'm Jim Dudley, and, and as I'm signing out, I'd like to thank our theme song, Mystery Crime, which was written by Mike Vargo. And if you'd like to hear more or listen to the full version of Mystery Crime, you can check it out at SoundCloud at MF Vargo, V-A-R-G-O, M-F-V-A-R-G-O. Thank you and take care and take care of yourself. <laughs>